Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, we're talking about how to develop a self-care mindset. Julie Cordoner joins me to talk about strategies to avoid burnout, how to take back control, and the importance of being intentional. So turn off your notifications, get yourself a brew, a pad, and a pen, and settle in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Julie Cordoner. Julie Cordoner is a classics graduate and a sit for accountant and has worked in education ever since qualifying in 1983. She spent 10 years as an assistant director of education from 2005 to 15, initially leading all support services until she was asked to take on the full education portfolio, including school improvement and SEND. During this time, she was a member of the DfE's funding policy group, seeing firsthand the development of the national funding formula. She went freelance in 2015, co-founding School Financial Success, wanting to return to her finance roots. In her consultancy role, Julie works with schools and academies in financial difficulty and with LAs on strategic education finance matters. School Financial Success brings together information on finance and funding to help school leaders achieve excellent financial leadership skills. Julie now runs School Financial Success alone, continuing to write books, a monthly blog and a free monthly newsletter and is currently developing a series of online courses. In her spare time, Julie also writes fiction under the pseudonym Juliet Lawson and enjoys singing in two choirs, knitting, sewing, and long walks on the beach. Julie's also a grandmother of three, so she definitely has her hands full. Today, Julie and I will be talking about getting more done through self-care. Welcome, Julie. Hello, Laura. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you. And can I just say, you sound like Superwoman. (laughs) I'm not sure about that, but we all try, don't we? I have to say, I mean, of all the things that you're good at, the only thing I think I am capable of doing is a long walk on the beach. <laughs> yeah, it's really lovely. That's that's one of the ways that I wind down. Well, usually in the middle of the day, it just gives me a fresh burst of energy for the afternoon. <laughs> and and you're a fiction writer. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, tell um, us more about this. I am intrigued. <laughs> well, I've spent years and years just writing local authority reports and, you know, latterly the non the nonfiction. But I guess there's always, I've been a reader all my life. I was that child that used to read under the bedclothes with a torch when mm-hmm. you're supposed to be asleep. <laughs> and yeah. um, I, in 2011, I was uh, involved in some fundraising for our church to uh, get a restoration project off the ground. And we, you know, how you brainstorm ideas, and and I, and I found myself saying we could write a book about the parish's history because there's loads of old documents in the trunk in the vestry, you know. So they said, well, go on then. <laughs> that went, um... <laughs> and and so I, I did, and I absolutely loved the process. And uh, mm-hmm. nine boxes of books arrived at the end of this, and, and I just went, oh wow, this is fantastic to actually see my name on on a book. And that was the start wow. of the writing, really. And I'd uncovered so many fascinating stories in the research, and it was mainly the Victorian era. So I just set about thinking, well, what if there was a family and there's a, the young boy discovers a, a dreadful secret and he runs away? And so that oh. sort of started off. But I've had to put it on ice for so many, so many times because work just took over. But eventually, last yeah. February... I did. I did get it finished and uh, self-published it, as I do with all the non-fiction books. So the whole process from start to end uh, was just fascinating. It's just an outlet for creativity, really, and it's something that really gives me a, a, a lovely feeling of achievement because I never really thought of myself as particularly creative. It's that left brain, mm. right brain thing, you know. But yeah. I love it, and there's a whole yeah. community of indie authors. Um, that's just brilliant and in the past it was great to meet them all at conferences (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can't do that now but there's loads of virtual meetings and workshops and everything so it's just an extra string to my bow and I absolutely love it well I have to say I have downloaded your book Julie I will be giving it a read (laughs) oh bless (laughs) if anyone else who's interested it's Juliet Lawson and the title of the book is A Borrowed Past and it's downloadable on Amazon Everywhere, really. <laughs> yes. So something that people might not have realised um, before listening to this is that you haven't been a business manager before. No, I haven't. <laughs> but I've worked with a lot of business managers for many, many years. So you've worked in education since 1983. Yes. Um, but I think there is this assumption. I mean, I thought that you've been a business manager. Um, and obviously you write for school business managers and, and you do it incredibly well. And you have a, a great grasp and understanding of what they're going through. Do you think it's an advantage that you haven't done the role? 
I think in some ways, yes. I mean, I would have actually probably quite enjoyed it, but it, my career just didn't didn't go that way. Um, but I think mm. that I mean, I, one of the one of the best bits actually was when I was doing um, the release of productivity for school business managers last July. I had a little group of beta readers to read through and make sure that I was meeting their needs, you know, and make sure it was all right. And uh, mm. one of them uh, sent a note back and said, oh, this is so brilliant. You can really tell you've walked the walk and you've done the job. <laughs> and I thought, dare I admit. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I know. It, well, exactly. It, it really was. Um, but what I think, what I think, and I see this a lot in the writing world as well, that you can draw experiences and tips and information from a very wide range of professional areas, and you can apply them to your given situation. And I, I think that's what I do. Um, but also, I just, you know, I've, I focus very firmly on finance. And I'm aware yeah. that, you know, the, the role of a school business leader is much, much wider than that. So I just see it as as my job to focus on the bits that I know and, and that I'm confident in and that I can help them to make to simplify things as far as possible and just point them in the direction of, of where everything is. So. So, yeah, I think, it, it you know, I, I, I hope people don't feel that I've uh, misled anybody into thinking I am because I've never, never pretended to be one. No, I am sure they don't think that at all. It's because you do it so well. It's the biggest compliment, definitely. Yes, it absolutely is. I was thrilled with that. And and I did write back to her and say, actually, I've, I'm not a business leader. And she said, well, I would never have known that. And I'm so pleased you've said that. <laughs> I can only imagine people listening going, oh, my God, I never knew that. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking today about um, self-care for school business leaders and how self-care can help us get more done. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, that, like I said, that's your unique perspective, I think, on on that topic. I think probably people thought you were going to come on the show and talk about finance. Um, so I think this is going to be really interesting, actually. Um, and I'm sorry if anyone's disappointed, but you, you're not going to be disappointed by the time we finish. That's all I'm saying. So why why this topic? Why this topic and not finance? Well, I think that really it it's goes back to when the pandemic first hit and there were mm. clear signs of a complete change in the demands on school business leaders. And there were a lot of outpourings on Twitter. It's such a brilliant Mm. community on Twitter. And you get a real feel on there for what people are going through. And it was just clear that people were really down in the weeds and they couldn't lift their head up and see how they could actually address this sort of strategically or, you know, to to Mm. really get above it and, and decide how to handle it. It was all firefighting because of the nature of what was happening. And people were clearly trying to do the day job on top of all the emergency stuff. And that was the point at which I decided to write the Productivity for School Business Professionals book, because I felt that I've got that distance and that sort of helicopter Mm. view of things. I've also been in my own career in a position of burnout. So I know what it's like. And looking back on that, I can see what the things were that I was doing wrong that led to that. You know, there were Mm. lots of external influences, but there were some things that I was doing, which was trying to just drive through it and overwork, overwork, you know. Yeah. Um, And I also thought it might be quite good for suggestions to come from somebody who's a self-confessed control freak. (laughs) (laughs) That is a trait, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It is, yes, yeah. So I I just felt it was a good topic to talk talk about because we're still in the pandemic. And, you know, it's something that is always good to reflect on as to how you mm. are managing or not managing and pick up some some tips. I just thought it was timely, really. How would you describe burnout? And I say this because you've said you've experienced it yourself mm. and, and I have as well. Mm. But like you say, you know, you've got your head down and you probably don't feel it or recognise it at the time. Mm. What does that look like or feel like for anyone who's thinking, I wonder if that's me? I think you. it's like going into a dark tunnel is how I would describe it. You find yourself mm. withdrawing into yourself and Mm. you are just focusing on the tasks you have to do and you're not you're just you're in almost autopilot and you're not bringing any emotional intelligence to it you're not relating to people around you and I I remember walking along the street and just thinking why am I only looking at the floor you know what's happening to me and Mm. and you, you then everything there comes a trigger point 
but the skill is to, to you know not get to that trigger point to try and pull yourself yes. out of it but it, it just feels like you're in going into a long dark tunnel or a cave because there isn't really you mm. can't even really see the the light at the end and even if you could it was probably going to be an oncoming train <laughs> yeah yeah that probably describes it pretty well actually <laughs> um yeah it, it's, it becomes all consuming doesn't it this, mm. this kind yes. of if it feels very claustrophobic so for anyone listening who feels that way or has felt that way or is, is worried about their, their well-being, what can they do to take back control? Well, I think the very first thing is to talk to people about it um, because the mm. problem shared is a problem doubled, no, halved. Halved, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the first step really is admitting that you're in that position and getting some help from anybody that you think will will be sympathetic and will help you start to find your way out of it. But I think, you know, mm. the ideal is to do something before you get to that step. Absolutely. And so for me, it's about control. And, you know, it's always about control, let's face it. Yes. But I I, <laughs> I think it's the at the moment, there are so many things to worry about that we have absolutely mm. no influence over. And so I prefer yeah. to say, don't worry about the things you can't control shift your focus to the things you can control. And that applies in every area of your life, not just work. It applies to your overall mindset and to how you do your home stuff as well. Um, because mm. there are so many people around us who try and draw on us and want things mm -hmm. from us. And there's work to be done. But self-care has to come first. If you're going to survive unique situations like this, but also in the longer term as, as your career develops, because generally we only take on more, don't we? You know, we, yeah. it's unusual to yeah. scale down. <laughs> yes. It was interesting because um, recently we did, um, uh, I did a, a SBL wellbeing support session online mm. um, and everyone who attended, I asked them to, to say what they thought was, you know, the obstacles to their wellbeing. And there were some themes that came out and it was time management, workload, Yep. The demands and expectations of others, which I think you've yes. touched on, and I know we're going to talk about, and also their expectations of themselves and putting the pressure on themselves. So there were pressures yeah. from others, but then that resulted in a pressure that they they felt that they had to keep doing and had to keep going, like we've said. So I think it's really interesting that that is definitely still a very current feeling in the SBL community. Yes, it, it is. We're our own worst enemy in many ways, aren't we? You know, we all have yes. such high expectations of ourselves and they're not necessarily mm. the same as the expectations that other people really do have of us. So self-care for better productivity, where do mm -hmm. we start? Well, I think it's that thing about what you can control. That, that's where I would start. And really, there mm -hmm. are three main things that you can control. The first one is what you regard as important. What's important to mm -hmm. you? And that's that's across your whole life. So that's about your values, your principles, your relationships, as well as your ambitions and what you actually want to achieve with your life. <laughs> big, big <Yeah>. goals. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so the first thing is what's important to you. And that directly feeds into the second thing you can you can control, which is what you decide to focus on. So this is mm. about the goals that you want to set for yourself to achieve those ambitions. So we're sort of going down the levels here. And that involves yeah. prioritizing things so that you only focus on the things that are going to make a difference. Because if they won't make a difference, why are you doing them? And are you actually focusing on the right things for your school and for yourself? Or are you sort of dancing to everybody else's tune? And that, yeah. that's a difficult judgment to make sometimes because you do get caught up in it. You want to do the best for the school. You want to, you know, be in line with their goals. But you need to decide what's what's going to bring you the things that, that you want to do. So you might want to have an eye to the next step on your career and focus. what you focus on is what you will achieve. Yeah. And then the third thing that you can control is what you actually do to create the results you want. So that's largely going to be what we'll be talking about through the rest of, of this session. Um, you know, we'll be talking about, and that involves planning. It involves mm. your processes, knowing what has an impact and tactics as well. So one particular thing is, you know, does it have to be done by you? Yes. Or can you pass some things to others? 
So don't automatically think, yeah, you know, our default is often, oh, well, I'll just do that because it's quicker and it'll be right. Mm. But that's not going to get you anywhere in the long term if it's interfering with something that's much more important. Um, so there's there's a few tactics in there. And what I suggest to people, what I suggest in the book, and the, the, I'm doing a course on this as well, is that just try for a week tracking your time and seeing what you are doing and is it creating yeah. the results you want. You know, so what are you focusing on and what are you doing? Just for a week, you know, you, you can do uh, in the course, I've got a downloadable Excel spreadsheet to just, you know, log it. Um, and just sit back, record everything you do for a week. And mm. especially the interruptions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're sleeping or not, what time mm. you go to bed, what time you're waking up, how many times you wake up in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. just just the type of work that you're doing. Um, are you, it'll show up in, my, in, in fascinating things, you know, when I did mine. But you have to be honest, because when I did mine, I was sort of trying to do what I knew I should be doing rather than honestly what I did do. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. I almost modified my behavior during that week, but that's not very helpful because what you're trying to do is identify where yeah. you're not, you know, where you're doing social media in the middle of a time when you should be doing a report that's due in the next day or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating. And just analyzing that will give you a good idea and just, just a different perspective, really. I absolutely love that. And I always say this and I, I, I advise people to track things about how they're feeling as well. So when they feel how they feel mm. in certain situations, because I do think you can in the moment, you can either lose, like you said, lose the objectivity or forget what you've done. You know, we all, we all than that. I've been so busy today and I've got no idea what I've done. <laughs> you know, yes. I've, I've got nothing done on my to-do list, but I've been busy. I don't know. And um, I think just like, like say, making that list and looking back and getting that objectivity, it enables yeah. you to analyze it with a fresh pair of eyes and, and make you think about those things. Yeah, well, I mentioned lists and planning later on. <laughs> I love a list. I'm, I'm, I'm excited mm. to get to that bit. But it was, <laughs> when you were talking, I was just thinking it's interesting about, you know, what's important to you, what you decide to focus on and what, what you're doing to create the results. And it's almost like a, a school development plan, isn't it? You know, mm. what are your objectives? What's important to us? You know, what are we going to focus on and how are we going to deliver it? So mm. I feel like there should be a, a self-care development plan coming on. That's an excellent idea. <laughs> so, yeah, so everybody make note because we're having self-care development plans by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the, other, the, other two, the other couple of things that I think um, is, is important to address is your mindset, first mm -hmm. of all. And I would say I would frame this particularly in terms of your working hours and, yes. you know, you need to make an active choice about your working hours because other people will let you work as long as you are prepared to work. So why not yeah. make a decision about how long you're prepared to work and how much time you need for whatever else you want to do in your life? You know, right. I, I carve out a couple of hours first thing uh, in when I'm writing a book. I, I do that first thing and get it out of the way. So I've, I've got my words in the bag for the day and then I can do right. the rest. Um, but, you know, what happens when you decide to limit your working hours. It means mm. that you have to be more focused. You have to fit what you need to do within that time, doesn't it? And yes. it also means that you will achieve a better balance. So you'll make time for a healthier lifestyle. You'll get, you'll get exercise. You hopefully will get more sleep because sleep is really crucial for you to perform well. You know, if you're working yeah. long hours, it's very draining you, if you're doing work late at night, you'll probably end up redoing it because you won't be sharp. You won't be thinking logically because mm. you're so shattered. You need creativity for ideas and for, for problem solving, but you're not going to be creative if you're absolutely exhausted. So forming mm. those sort of good habits and, and good diet and all the rest of it and time for hobbies to, to nourish you. Because, you know, in writing, yeah. we talk about filling the creative well. You know, if you're going to have ideas that are going to be sustained throughout a novel, you need to pour in lots of ideas and lots of research and lots of imagination. And you can't do any of that if, you, if you're too tired. And, and, you know, it's exactly the same. You, you know, school business management can be creative. 
you have to solve mm. problems. You have to think up ways, wizard ways of getting more money. <laughs> yes. Um, so forming good habits is really important. Um, James Clear um, has some books about habits, forming habits. I love that book. Yeah. Atomic Habits. Yeah. Atomic Habits. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned habits in that book in particular, because you talk in your book as well about habits mm-hmm. and about the three elements of habits, cue, routine and reward. Mm. Um, is there anything you want to kind of expand on that? Because you mentioned something about your habit, and I want to say Stroopwaffle. Is that the right <laughs> way of saying it? Is that the right way of saying it? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. They're these delicious wafer waffle type biscuits, and they're just the right size to fit on the top of a coffee cup. And they've got caramel Ooh. inside of them, so the caramel softens. However, last week I did forget it was there and it sank into the coffee, which was like. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I haven't broken that habit, but it's it's a treat. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's about if, you know, if you if you have bad habits, whatever that bad habit is, you know, it could be just distraction and going off into social mm. media. And an hour later, you sort of look up and you think, oh, heck, yeah, where did the last hour go? It's yeah. there usually be a trigger. And for me, it's about the middle of the morning when I've been working really hard on something probably quite analytical needs a lot of concentration and I suddenly decide oh I feel tired right I'll go make a cup of coffee and I automatically Mm. reach for the biscuits (laughs) (laughs) and it's just about breaking breaking that cycle and and trying to do something different and being aware of it is the first step and wanting to change it is the second step Um, but Mm -hmm. then just put different pieces in place to to your day or you know just just have a break do something different choose an apple instead of a biscuit doesn't taste half as nice though does it (laughs) so I just put something I just put a silly example in to try and make it relatable really but you can substitute whatever your bad habit is that's that's getting in the way I read somewhere that I think it was like 45% of everything that we do is automatic. Mm. And I think it's probably been higher in lockdown. So yeah, it's a, well, why do I do this? Why it's, it's that phrase, isn't it? We've talked about this. Generally, you know, we've always done it this way. Well, I always do this and I always do it in this yep. order. Yep. <laughs> and it yep. always has to be that biscuit, you know. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's a comforting thing and sometimes it, it can be a bad habit. We just don't realise it. So yeah, yeah, I like that yeah. idea of habit. It's a, it's a lot easier to build a habit than it is to break it. You know, but, yes. you know, we automatically go and brush our teeth, don't we? When yeah. We automatically, you know, so you can sort of build other habits. So, you know, if you're waiting for a kettle to boil, you can do some stretching exercises. You know, you mm-hmm. can, if you yeah. if you would normally um, go for, a, you know, if you would normally just sort of sit in a, in a break, go for a walk. You know, I say, if you have to see a few people around the school, put them all together in, in one, into one session and go for a walk around the site and see them all. You get some exercise as well. Have have walking meetings with people. There's nothing to say. You have to sit at a desk and talk to somebody. You can have a walking meeting. You can take your phone and dictate some notes into your phone rather than scribble them down. You know, mm. I use dictation for my novels. And then I've got Dragon dictation software. And it just downloads it into a Word document when I come back. You know, or mm. oh, I've learned not to try and do it on the beach because the sound of the wind drowns me out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also, you have to get over your embarrassment at talking to yourself. But everybody just assumes you're on a telephone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, yeah, it doesn't look as strange now. <laughs> just when I'm talking about, you know, the horse-drawn carriage, or <laughs> it might sound a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone sees Julie on the beach, just beware. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the other the other thing is um, on this sort of uh, thing about where to start is about your thoughts. So mm. you know it's it's very easy to be drawn into the negativity of of the moment, isn't it? And you know there's this new term is doom scrolling. So don't do yes. doom scrolling, looking for all the awful posts and information. You know, decide who you're going to listen to. And try mm. and make it people who will give a balanced view if you want the full facts or if you want people who are going to give you positivity. Think about encouraging both yourself and other people. You know, try and turn this on its head. Try and make a decision that you're going to be more positive. You're going to be helpful. But also just in general times, think about who energizes you when you're around yeah. them. Who gets you excited mm. and motivated? And conversely, who drains you? There's always the mm-hmm. the worriers, isn't there? There's 
there's the moaning minis yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. with apologies to anybody who's called mini um, <laughs> and, and and you know you you don't always have a choice of who you spend time with but there are ways you'll find ways if you want to of avoiding spending too much time with the people that drain you and you might mm. need to be a little bit more assertive about that so I think the whole thing is about being intentional I would say um in, yeah. in self-care make a decision that that's how you're going to be and sort of put a ring around it to try and protect yourself because everybody wants a bit of you but there isn't yeah. enough to go around everybody and some people will just gravitate towards you because you are excessively helpful and they know <laughs> if they come to you with a problem you'll take it off them and sort it out Whereas actually what might be better for them and will certainly be better for you is if you can show them how to solve it themselves. So, you know, don't yes. pile everything on yourself and assume that you are the only person that can do everything um, because that way it's not sustainable. It'll burn you out and it, it'll or it'll end up making you mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that because it's about the boundaries, isn't it? Setting the boundaries. Mm -hmm. and um, And again, you know, something I talk about in the support session, using that method to hold other people to account for their job you know because mm. sometimes we take on things that other people should be doing and like you say oh, yes. it's more helpful to them to hold them to account and say no this is your job and you should be doing it I'll show you how if you need me to mm -hmm. but no it's yours <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay so next steps where are we going next well I thought I would cover a bit about workload management because mm -hmm. that's really the, the thing that you know often tips the balance isn't it Yes. And one, I was trying to think of a metaphor for this when I was writing the book and the SBLs would sort of relate to. So unsurprisingly, I thought of a drinks dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> I like I can, it. You can choose your tipple. <laughs> my what's what in this drinks dispenser? <laughs> Well, my, my my preference, I found for the course, I found a nice picture of one that looks as if it's got lots of fruit in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but basically, if you, you know, just imagine like a glass jar and the, the drink goes in at the top and there's a tap at the bottom. You know, you know, I've seen these if you stay in Premier Inns or whatever, or, you mm. know, breakfast, they've got these. They? And your work comes in at the top and there's a tap at the bottom to let out the work mm. that you've completed. So you've got all the work going in at the top of this drink. I'm waving my hands around. I don't know why, because you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been nodding a lot. <laughs> so you, your work comes in at the top and mm. it fills up more and more and more until it overflows mm. because it's impossible to do the work as fast as the rate at which it's coming in. And so yes. you'll probably end up sitting in a puddle on the floor. <laughs> um, yes. And really, if you think about it, there's only there's something you can't influence, which is the size of the jar that's fixed. There's only yes. so many hours in the day and there should mm -hmm. be only so many working hours in the day, shouldn't there? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, you, there is a limit to the number of working hours for your physical and mental health. Now, you know, some people's capacity is greater than others. I love what I do. So to me, it doesn't feel like work. I could just yeah. keep on and on and on. And as, But I do make sure I have breaks. I make sure I have my lunch, my dinner. I go out for a walk on the beach or whatever. You know, it, the, and, and, you know, I have time, time out. And I listen to podcasts. I watch videos mm. and, and whatever. So, you know, but your brain can only do so much before it goes on strike, really and says no mm. I don't want to do anymore I can't can't you know I can't work like this or it becomes a lot less effective so so that's what you can't influence in line with what we started with really but there are two mm. things you can influence and one of those is the rate at which work goes into the jar and the yeah. other one is the rate at which the completed work comes out of the tap at the bottom then that relates mm. to your efficiency so really, those are the two things that you need to focus on to manage your workload. And you might think that you can't influence how much goes into the jar. But, you know, a school business leader role is fairly senior. And if you can't decide amongst 
you know, if you can't decide priorities amongst things and decide mm. that something's actually not necessary and could be done a different way, then I'd be very surprised. If you can't control yeah. when you do things, I'd be very surprised. There will be overall mm. deadlines, won't there? But, yeah. you know, you should be able to manage the pattern of your work and also the level of, of perfection. <laughs> I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> I don't, yes. you know, I, I can spend and do spend probably longer than I should writing things like blogs and, um, you know, but it, it, it sometimes you do need to just let go a bit. So, so those are, you know, that's, that's sort of the overarching sort of idea that I, I thought might be helpful. I like it. Especially if there's alcohol in that dispenser as yes. well. If the alcohol is the work, then I'm on board. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like this idea, like you say, of controlling the rate the work goes in and the efficiency and what you choose to, to do and how fast you do it. So if, if there's some strategies in terms of efficiencies and, and how we can how we can focus our minds and focus on the things that matter and that need to be done. Well, I think the first thing is about making time to get the important things done. So it's that thing again about mm. what you focus on and what you do to get the results you want. So, you know, uh, Brian Tracy calls this eat that frog. So oh, you know, yes. yeah. it might not be a, might not be an ugly frog. It might be something you like doing. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. decide what you're going to do first in the day. You, you know, if you go in earlier, it'll be quieter. Get your most important thing done as long as you go home earlier as well and you don't just stretch mm -hmm. it later on um yeah so you know that will hopefully minimize interruptions and also you need to be you need to create that focus um and you know we we're in a, in a world where everything is immediately available isn't it and it it's so yeah. easy so many demands coming at us you know if you're on the internet there's all these clickbait headlines trying to get you mm -hmm. drawn in there's your phone pinging with the notifications so like I turn mine off I just don't don't have notifications pinging at me all day um yeah and and everything is there's so much competing people and technology for our attention when you do the sort of work that school business leaders do and I do you need that concentration span to to go deep and to get just just focus narrow your vision to that one thing you will do it a heck mm. of a lot faster and there's a myth yeah. going around that that multitasking is the answer and it really isn't I mean there's no such thing yeah. as multitasking for important tasks what you're doing is you're switching your attention and yes. um, yeah. I don't know whether you've heard of Cal Newport's book called Deep Work which is a brilliant yes book. Um, mm. But he he explains this and he explains the harm that you're doing to the way your brain works by constantly switching your attention from one thing to another, because there's a residual mm. part of your brain that's left behind every time you do yeah. that. So it's still thinking about the last thing. And I've learned this because sometimes I leave browser tabs open while I'm working <laughs> on something and I might go into my browser to to just look up something or you know look up a government policy paper or whatever and then my eye is caught by something I think oh yes I was look I was going to do that oh, I'll just do that and it's it's disastrous really so you need to try even if you have to get noise cancelling headphones if you're in an open plan office you know or go to another room if you can and and just focus on that one thing that you need to get done it's much more productive I always say to people also what is the best time of day to do mm -hmm. that work you know Sometimes I'm I'm better at the analytical things in the morning and I try and schedule meetings and, and other things in the afternoon because my brain's done by then. But some people are better in the afternoon at those things. So you yep. think it's a self-awareness again, isn't it, about what, how, how does it work best for you? When are your best times? Yeah, absolutely. You have to work with your strengths and your preferences. Go mm. with the flow. Don't Don't try and fight them. The other, the other thing that really helps it, for me, it's it's been a complete game changer, is planning. And, mm. you know, you can do your own version of planning. You don't have to be, you know, follow a, a template or a formula. Um, but it, it, it does help to have your goals so you can set annual goals. You know, what are the key things mm. I must do this year? And they are for your school or for yourself. Um, and yeah. then... That look might look quite scary, but it isn't if you break it down. So no. break it down into termly. 
half-termly, monthly, weekly, whatever you whatever you want. But this is just a broad pattern that you're aspiring to. Don't get mm. fixated about the timings. Be flexible. Recognize, you know, set your own expectations, giving yourself a bit of slack. <laughs> and mm, really, yeah. planning is a promise to yourself. So yes. you were saying, I'm going to focus on these things. These, this is what imp- is important to me. This is what I'm going to focus on. And this is where I'm going to make time to do the things that will achieve it. Yeah. Um, and it, this has been a lifesaver for me, particularly since I started writing the novels and decided to add courses to the School Financial Success <laughs> Offer. Um, um, I'll just briefly explain my system just, just to give some ideas. So there's a site called Productive Flourishing run by a guy mm-hmm. called Charlie Gilkey. And there's lots of, uh, there's a blog with, you know, tips and stuff on there as well. But you can download monthly uh, free planners. Well, actually, there's, uh, there's all sorts of different different planners and uh, review tools and templates and things. But I use a monthly free planner. So you can get the whole year for a very cheap price, but I just download the monthly one free because I'm a miser. Then there's weekly ones. And it's just a a framework, really. Um, But it just, you know, I break down my quarterly goals into the monthly goals. And he only allows sort of five main goals for each month and each week. Um, So obviously you can fit in more of the minor ones in a weekly one. Um, But it, it just helps me know what I'm going to focus on that particular month and week. And I also have a monthly whiteboard. It's only a small one. Um, but on that monthly whiteboard, I write down the goals that I absolutely must achieve that month. So that's obviously things like my blog and my newsletter, um, any books I'm working on, any courses I'm working on, any consultancy projects I have on at the moment, um, doing the accounts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it just reminds me and it sits there looking at me (laughs) so Mm. I've got it in mind all the time and I tick things off which is a great satisfaction anybody else own up to putting something on a list they've already done just so they can tick it off (laughs) oh yes yeah (laughs) yes all the time I think I think also this this sounds like it could be the framework we said we said this you know the self-care development Mm. plan at the beginning Mm. I think this is the template for that it will make you think (laughs) yeah put your self-care goals on there as well that's really important yes And then at the end of the month, what I do is I take a photograph of that whiteboard and I have a productivity Mm. folder. And it just means that when I'm beating myself up about not getting enough done any time, I can look back at those photographs and see what I actually have achieved. And that's actually a really good motivator. Um, So that's what I do. But it's really important that you don't think that that's written in blood and that you absolutely have to finish everything and do everything you know there are times when I cross cross put a cross against it because I haven't had chance and it just gets shifted to the next month um yeah if if it's something where the deadline's up to you that's fine so you know make sure that the things with unmovable deadlines are definitely on there um but be kind to yourself about some of the other things I think it's interesting because I don't know about you. I I try and at least plan out what I'm doing day to day. You've got the bigger the bigger goals, and I try and do that the night before because I waste so much time mm-hmm. if I if I haven't done that. Thinking right, what am I doing today? And before you know it, some an email's come in or the phone's rang or yeah. I pick the thing that I just want to do because it's easier. So I think having that focus is good because it it takes away that sometimes that negative spontaneity in terms of choosing what you'd like to do or getting sucked into something else. Thinking no, this is what I need to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I tend to have a Sunday evening weekly planning session. So that's yeah. that's when I look ahead to, I don't actually fill mm. in my weekly sheets until a, the Sunday evening. I don't try and do them all in advance. I have my monthly planner for that. Um, and I, I just, you know, sketch out what I think I will do. And then I transfer yeah. those to my daily diary um, as I go along through the week. So that I know, you know, what I must do tomorrow. Um, And the things that are sort of ongoing will also uh, be in there as well. Okay, so moving on from the planning, what is another strategy we can can use? 
I think um, there's two others I can think of, really. One is the to try and break the dependency that other people might have on you. So this yeah. is back to what we we're saying about we assume that we're the only ones that can do things. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's struggling. Everybody's trying to do the same thing to, to manage their workload. Um, but some people are craftier than others at getting someone else to do their work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We in, in old management speak, we used to call this putting the monkey on your back. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, if they can yeah. pass it over to you, then all the better. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to think about, um, do you have to do it? Should they mm. be doing it? Can they do it? Mm. Can you train them so that it because if you, you know, if you take it off them and do it, they'll come back again. And you'll end yeah. up just, just out going down that path and word will spread. <laughs> so you get more and more demand. Yeah. Whereas if you actually firmly delegate it and train people, that training can only take only takes one one time. And then you're just like topping it up really as if things change. Um, and mm. it's a longer term strategy. So that's a stay fix solution rather than a quick fix. Yeah. So the quick fix isn't is might be quick at the time, but in the long term it isn't because you get repeat business. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. So good of a job. <laughs> yeah. So if you are trying to train them as well, make it easy for yourself. So don't think of it as a big training session. Say say you say you want somebody to do something on one of your systems. You can just switch on screen capture software and record yourself doing the task on the system and then put that up on your cloud or whatever your intranet or whatever you have and then they can refer to that to see how to do it um mm. you know you could have a frequently asked questions document or a set of instructions you know just just be a little bit creative about thinking about the ways in which you can actually make the information and guidance and advice available to people without needing mm. one-to-one support um, if you find yourself interrupted a lot by people, <laughs> um, <laughs> then, you know, think about having a formal catch up session. You might be able to agree in a, in a busy office, you might be able to agree that, right, you know, we will have a dedicated session, you know, a, an hour here where we will not interrupt each other. We will just focus on get our, get our main stuff done and then we'll have a break and a chat. Um, and if yeah. you want to ask questions, I'm available at this time. You know, it's yeah. just, just being more assertive. And the other one that I, I often recommend, uh, I did this on a Twitter feed, is um, don't start every new report from scratch. Use a template. Yeah. A template. Um, so, you know, Word does things weird and wonderfully, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know the formatting can be a nightmare. But if you set up one report format, one report template, then you just you can forget about all that and just concentrate on on what you're doing. I would also say as well, going back to that deep work thing, um, batching your types of tasks is really important. So if you're writing a report, do all of the narrative stuff in the report and leave gaps where you need to put information don't distract yourself yes. by going off looking for the information or constructing a spreadsheet and tables and whatever do that separately because it's a different mm-hmm. part of your brain so the other thing is as well you can create templates for other things not just uh, word so if mm. you are gathering information from other people give them a template to fill in because if you don't, they'll yeah. all give you variations on a theme of that information. Yeah. And you'll be the one <laughs> yeah. that has to wrestle it into the format that you want. So avoid that. A stay fix solution again is be upfront and say, right, I want it on this template. And then it's much easier to collate it. So it's just about finding the right tools. Template. Yeah. And and Canva <laughs> is particularly good. I don't know whether everybody's familiar with Canva canva.com um they do all sorts of of templates um powerpoint presentations brochures flyers posters so easy to use and you get uh, you can get a lot free with an educational uh, license uh, for free on it all right so that that's a really good tool i use canva for graphics generally yeah. but i have seen the, the template section i haven't um really delved into it but yeah it's a really good site if yeah if you've not heard of it do check it out canva.com okay so we've we've covered workload and mm-hmm. um, we've, we've got a drinks dispenser we have we've covered deep work we've got plans 
we're, we're going to politely tell people to, to leave us alone. <laughs> we are going to get our templates up and running. Where do we go next? Well, I just thought it was worth sort of applying um, some of these techniques to of control um, to your financial planning, because one of the mm-hmm. things that drives me mad is that three-year budgets are a really good tool. It, it's it's similar to what I've been saying, isn't it? Your three-year budget is your high-level goal. That's where you want to be yeah. in three years' time. That's what you need to focus on. And your annual budgets should get you there. And mm-hmm. you, there will be some tweaks and whatever. So a three-year budget is a really good planning tool. But we don't get three-year allocations, do we? <laughs> we lurch from one year to the next, and we mm-hmm. don't know what we're going to have uh, in, in terms of the grant funding. So, you know, the, the funding situation is one of those things we can't really control beyond the very important thing of getting your data right. So that's mm. clearly very important. But, you know, generally, um, at the moment, we're subject to the decisions of the local authority on the local mm. formula. And that goes for academies as well as local authority schools. And in turn, the local authority decisions depend on how much money they get and the fact that certain elements of that funding are, have a time lag. And so they might have to mm. deal with pressures and there's just nowhere near enough money in the high needs grant, um, yeah. you might have to deal with those pressures by making decisions that they don't really want to make, but they have to. So, you know, the DFE's system is built on spending reviews, which generally only take place every three years, although we've had a couple of single-year ones <laughs> lately for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, and so you, at the end of every three years, you have this cliff edge. And even if, even though we've now got a three-year settlement, it's just at the high level. It doesn't give you any clues at all about how that's going to be distributed. So we're still in this lurching from one year to the next. So, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And um, the, the, the control thing about that is that, yeah, you might not get multi-year allocations, but why not take control and create your own? Yes. And it is yes. a high level. And it, again, it's about expectations, isn't it? You know, in this position yeah. of a school business leader, everybody expects you will be accurate in whatever you do. But you can't possibly be accurate, can you? Because you can't predict the future. So, no, there's so <laughs> many unknowns. There's so much volatility. We don't know what Brexit's going to do to the economy. We don't know what COVID's going to do the, to the economy. We have a few ideas, but... Um, <laughs> And and so it can't possibly be accurate. So you have to lessen everybody's expectations about this. It's yes. the best shot at the time. And for me, the best way of getting that message across is to do scenario planning. So not just yes, giving them a definitely. single answer, but giving them a range of best, middle and worst case scenarios um, mm-hmm. based on your best known assumptions at the time. And you can refine those as more information becomes available because we get little snippets now and again. Yeah, <laughs> um, every and, now and again. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a monthly summary of all these little snippets. <laughs> yes, um, if you haven't signed up for Julie's newsletter, please do. It is a font of information. So it, it not only, but doing those, those scenarios will show everybody the range of possibilities. And in doing that, I guarantee you will stimulate a debate about how you would respond to those different funding levels. So it's also yeah. great for engaging your senior leadership team, your governors and, and other people mm. around you in the problems that, that you're facing. And if people see that they could lose something that they value, then they're much more likely to come up with ideas to try and either preserve it or lessen the impact. And, yes. and, you know, you you are not the only person that has to solve these problems. You know, mm. the, the delegated responsibility lies with the head teacher and the overall responsibility lies with the governors strategically. So, you know, get people involved in finding the solutions. The the main, I, I, um, I, for, I published Forecasting Mainstream School Funding in December. And um, Hmm. I I was trying to sort of put this all together. And the conclusion I came to is that we need to make it as simple as possible. 
it's not simple at all, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are, you know, there are some simple approaches that you can take, given that it's high level, given that it can't possibly be accurate. And that mm. is the, to boil it down to two key elements for your main core funding. And that's the number of pupils you have and how much per pupil you will be getting overall. You can, you know, you can develop assumptions, uh, but the book gives you a whole step by step toolkit model you know approach to for you to build your own mm -hmm. build your own forecasts so i think the other thing as well is that that you can get your message across about financial the financial outlook by choosing some key pieces of financial information to share so mm -hmm. for example you know you know you don't need to break any confidences you don't need to give sensitive information just think about what would make people think twice What's the cost of one lesson taught across the whole school? If it's 45 minutes or an hour or whatever your, your lesson length is, um, <clears throat> you might have double periods, I don't know. But just, just work out your cost of classroom staff, so your teachers, any teaching assistants, any education resources, there'll be a share of um you know it costs and whatever so just just you know it's it's up to you how you do it don't just don't go real detail and complicated just keep yeah. it keep it simple don't get drawn into the minutiae no, exactly, of it all exactly, I know. and then divide that by the number of lessons uh that you have across across this you know in 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 a given year you know across the number of lessons in the year and you'll come up with a figure that i think will probably astound many people Think about what are the costs of having the school there before a lesson is even taught. So that's your building, that's your senior yeah. leadership team who don't teach, that's you know your subscriptions for various things, your catering arrangements, your grounds, you you know anything you can think of that that is has to be in place before a lesson can be taught, and and just yeah. hit them with that figure. And it, what it does, it just makes them think about their role how they're using their time and it, it's more yeah. likely that they'll be more understanding about the financial decisions that have to be taken uh and and so on and be more if they're whole if they're budget holders you know they may be more cautious about about the spending so you know mm -hmm. you can apply the things we talked about right at the beginning about control and about mindset and about your planning approach and just being creative really is is applicable mm. to any sorts of areas across the school and, and probably to areas that are not finance related as well. And I think, you know, there's three three things that I would ask everybody to think about. And and first the first of those is getting a self-care mindset because that's absolutely crucial. It's it's the foundation really of all of this. You decide how you want to be, you decide what's important. And you decide how you'll make space for that. The second thing is to make room for thinking time um, as part of that self-care mindset. Because, you know, Laura and I have both talked about distance to reflect, um, to mm -hmm. plan your workload. So you can prioritise and know what you're going to be doing and get those important things done. Um, also identify those barriers to your productivity. We talked about bad habits, didn't we? Um, and know yeah. how you're going to tackle them. So that thinking time is essential to resolve some of those sticky issues that, that are actually yes. stopping you from, from being productive. And mm. the third thing is to stop worrying. You know, focus on what you can control and make it work for you. Yeah, don't worry. We spend a lot of time worrying about we don't have enough time or what people think or are, are we being everything we can be to everybody in our lives? And it's just a lot of pressure to take on for us, I think. Mm. Yeah, and I think we spend far too much time worrying about what people think of us. Yes. You know, um, what comes with age is that you tend to care less about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I look forward to it. And as a recovering perfectionist also, Julia, I always I say I'm a card-carrying, recovering perfectionist. Yeah, me too. how I describe myself. I think, you know, I always say good is good enough. Um, yeah. I've been saying that a lot recently. <laughs> good is good enough. Yeah, it is. Um, it is hard. Yeah. It's hard to let go. Um, but yeah, I, you know, just just because we, we probably fool ourselves a bit into thinking that everybody's thinking about us all the time and judging us. 
And actually, no. they've got their own things to worry about. <laughs> Nobody's actually really doing that, are they? No. <laughs> no, I've, I've loved speaking to you today, Julie. I've really enjoyed that. And you make it sound, you've got a very calming voice and you, you put it so clearly. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. But if people have got any questions about what we've talked about or they want to get in touch with you or find out more about your books or your upcoming courses, where can they find you? Uh, thanks, Laura. And it, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved talking to you too. It's, I think we've got such a similar mindset on these things, haven't we? And I we just do. Hope, hope I've been nodding know. crazily. <laughs> I've literally been nodding so much. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a good job people can't see me because I've been waving around as well. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, um, the obvious place is the website. So it's schoolfinancialsuccess.com. That's all one word, uh, School Financial Success. Mm -hmm. And there's a red button on the homepage, which you can use to sign up for the monthly newsletter. So that's completely free, comes to your inbox uh, the first Monday in the month. I also mm -hmm. have a blog page, and so I blog monthly about current issues. There's a contact form there if you want to get in touch about anything. Um, but I would just ask, please don't ask me for individual tailored advice because I just don't have the capacity for it, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd give a lot of information freely on Twitter and Facebook and, and so on. Um, but I just, I do, unfortunately, I just have to draw the line somewhere. And that's, that's me, say, me saying no and following my own advice to speak. <laughs> um, and I've also now got an online courses page which gives an indication of the first batch of online courses which I'm working on at the moment and there will be a free course on uh, better budgeting uh, by analysing how your costs behave and that's uh, wow. to get people into the uh, the stream of my online courses. And if uh, if you do if you do access that course, then you'll be on my mailing list where you could get discounts for future courses, and also you might get the opportunity to have a first view of of courses as a beta tester to make sure I'm on the right tracks. There's a books page on the website, um, so that covers the books that I've published so far, uh, and any new ones will appear on there. I have a Facebook page called School Financial Success. So I tend to post a bit more detail on some of the government funding announcements, but they're all only and, and on Twitter uh, as Julie Cordiner. Okay. Uh, they're mainly just a sample, really, because I give everything on my newsletter. So that if you want right. the latest government announcements on finance and funding, then then those all come in the newsletter. So basically, the, to get the most up-to-date news about everything, including your courses, get the newsletter. Yes. <laughs> I get your newsletter and I love it. Oh, and I always you. point out these books as well. I always say read, read Julie's finance books especially. And definitely, do you know what? I think I'll be doing your productivity course, <laughs> to be honest, Julie. I think I'm going to have a go on that myself. It's a nice way if, if, you, if you like the visual or the auditory stuff more than just reading yeah. a book it's uh it's it's more interactive than, than that i guess um so yes it's uh, called the productive svp <laughs> but thank you and i really appreciate yeah. both the opportunity to come on here and also the support that, that you give um you know there's there's nothing better than going on twitter and seeing people recommending my books or um posting doing pictures of them when they've arrived and people are so excited and that's just wonderful because you know you sit for hours and hours writing a book and you don't know whether it's hitting the mark until you actually publish it and it's quite daunting to just press publish and <laughs> send it out into the world without knowing yeah. um, but also if anybody has got a moment to review the books uh, on Amazon that would be hugely appreciated because it just helps with discoverability with the way the Amazon algorithm yeah. works and they are also available on uh, Apple and Kobo uh, ebooks if anybody wants but I do sell far more paperbacks than than ebooks to be honest um, but the ebooks are a lot cheaper also you can um, I've, I run them through Ingram Spark so you can actually ask your library for them and they can order them right from Ingram Spark but basically, they can go and look for your books when they are downloading Juliet Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like your book downloads are going to go through the roof now. Oh, that'll be lovely. So for well-being, so for basically for work and professional, um, you know, well-being, and yep. download Julie's non-fiction books, and for well-being <laughs> and making sure you take some time out, you can read her fiction book. I love it. I love it. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the other podcast episodes as well. It's a really good thing that you're doing. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted for you. I'm so excited. Um, and I, I just, I'm thanking everyone for being 10% brave with me because I know nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Um, no. So I'm saying thanks to everyone who's put, put themselves forward. Really appreciate it. We've covered so much there, I know your brain is probably fizzing with ideas. So come and find us on Twitter at LauraLJBusiness and at Julie Gordoner and tell us what your biggest takeaways are from this episode. And make sure you check out the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk for more useful links and resources. Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.